0: So this is the Euro Trip. Welcome to we normally say your favourite new Eurovision podcast, but seems as we've been around since August and plenty of you seem to have found us since then. Probably gonna drop the new now. It's great to have you along. It is me, Rob, and my wonderful co-host, the lovely James Rowe. Hi Rob. Hi everyone. Uh
1: yeah, it's twenty twenty one, the year of Rotterdam. Although Rob, we did say that last year. But yes. It is the year of Rotterdam, and it's the very beginning of January where we always tend to make New Year's resolutions, and I've made one for you, Rob. That's a delight. Thank you very much for doing that on my behalf, because I'll be honest, I haven't given it much thought. Not a problem. So your New Year's resolution for 2021, Rob, is to not mention Belarus for the entirety of the year. How do you think you'll get on?
0: I'm struggling to think of other words that don't include the words Belarus or Minsk, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, That's pretty distressing. I mean, that's that's more of a restriction rather than a resolution. And I feel like we've got (laughs) enough restrictions in our lives as it is. If you do it, I promise not to mention the R word. How
1: about that? The R word? Oh, you know what the R word is. Everybody knows what the R word is
0: when I'm talking. Don't make me say it. The R. Go Go on. Ramble. Oh, for goodness sake. Right, anyway, here's the first episode of the Euro Trip for 2021. Here you go. For goodness sake. <laughs> Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one
1: show
2: in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive, it's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight
3: hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy, what I say. What I say.
0: This is the Euro trip.
1: Hello and welcome to the Trip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, winner of Eurovision 2011, it's Eldar Gasimov.
0: Well done, you confidently said his surname. I thought you were going to duck out there <laughs> and just give us an Eldar of Ellen and Nikki fame. That's right, the winner of Eurovision 2011 is joining us on the podcast this week. Off the back of, what it's safe to say was quite the episode last Wednesday, which you may have missed between Christmas and New Year. We spoke to Lee Smithers, the BBC's series producer of Eurovision. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But uh, thank you very much to all of you that have listened to that so far, because it's had quite the reaction on social media.
1: It certainly has. As Rob says, we'll cover that in just a moment or two. But with the first episode of 2021 there's loads to cover Uh, we've of course as we say we've got a big interview coming up with the winner of Eurovision 2011 or at least half of the winner it's Eldar Gasimov. we've also got some other interviews coming up that are going to cover some of the biggest news stories that have been breaking over the last couple of weeks while we've been giving you some extra special bits so there's plenty to look forward to in the next half an hour or 45 minutes or so
0: Yeah, plenty of special guests, including one man trying to represent his country at Eurovision in 2021. But Eldar, as we've already mentioned him, he's done so for Azerbaijan already. And this is just a little tease from the interview, where he talked about what he did the night of that win in Dusseldorf.
2: Everyone was like, Eldar, uh, dance, I don't know, whatever. And I went in my room, I remember it. it It was already a sunrise and I came to a window and I gave myself a question. I was like, okay, and what then? So
1: all that and more to come. You are listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is
0: the Eurotrip. So you should know by now, this is the Eurotrip. We are a Eurovision podcast. We are here every single Wednesday to bring you all the latest from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, bring you some big name guests as well. And that is very much something that we delivered upon Between Christmas and New Year. Because while some podcasts took the time off, you may have found your feeds empty where you might have been expecting a podcast. We were here with two special episodes between Christmas and New Year. We spoke to Lee Smithhurst, who is the BBC's series producer of Eurovision. And also, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke to... Paul Harrington and Charlie McGettigan. Now, they were the winners of Eurovision 1994 with Rock and Roll Kids. And both episodes, James, we've had some lovely, lovely comments about. And thank you very much to all of you who have listened and who have got in touch indeed we always love it
1: when you guys at home listen and get in touch with us uh, whether it's leaving us a review or getting in touch with us on twitter and instagram we are at your trip podcast but no we've had loads and loads of comments about those two special episodes that we brought you over the christmas period uh, one here from louise on twitter about the paul and charlie episode she said uh, i love this paul and charlie are legends thanks to james for giving them such time to chat and reminisce a uh, great episode she says
0: And then when it comes to the Lee interview, I mean, it's safe to say, James, the reaction has been insane. So thank you to all of you who have listened to that so far. Lee, if you haven't heard it yet, goes into some really interesting stuff about what the BBC's future plans are going to be for Eurovision. Also, maybe where the BBC have gone wrong in the past. And it really does sound like the BBC's Eurovision future is in good hands with with Lee and the rest of the BBC team. Uh, Grace got in touch on Twitter. Grace is Sugoi, I think is her handle. I may be wrong. Uh, She said, uh, seriously, still buzzing off the back of that podcast interviewing Lee. That podcast being us, I assume. Unless there's another podcast that happened to release a similar interview with Lee at the same time. Uh, The plan he laid out is exactly what I've been saying to my mum for years. It's nice to feel optimism. Hopefully we can get there one step at a time. Fingers crossed. Uh, a couple more. ESC
1: Sophie on Twitter. She says every British Eurovision fan needs to listen to this. It's so insightful. And Lee 100% gets it. Uh, and then Jamie on Twitter as well says, really good episode. And it was interesting to hear Lee Smithers mention mentioned the Netherlands method of becoming credible again. Because that is one of the big things that he mentioned is that the BBC want to become credible again. And There's a plan in place, so fingers crossed over the next few years or so, the UK will find itself on the left-hand side of the leaderboard, perhaps topping the entire list. I mean,
0: let's not run before we can walk, shall we? <laughs> if you want to read more about what Lee said in that interview, there's a great article over on the Urevoir website, urevoir.com, where he talks about why the BBC decided to scrap their national final. And also, of course, if you do want to listen back to the episode with Lee or Charlie and Paul or any of the others we've done so far, you can head over to various streaming services. We're on Acast, we're on Apple Podcasts, and we're on Spotify.
1: So as you can tell from that wonderfully cheesy jingle going on in the background uh, that Rob has so delightfully chosen, uh, it's time for all the latest Eurovision news and we're going to do it a little bit differently from now until the contest takes place in may you will be of course used to the news in 90 that we always do but because the news is developing so so quickly and there's so much going on i just don't think there's enough time to pack it into those 90 seconds so myself and rob are going to choose some of the biggest stories and give you a bit of an update about what's been going on and it's safe to say uh since what would it have been three weeks ago when we did a usual episode it's been popping
0: off mate hasn't it is that what the kids say? It's been popping off. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before. It sounds quite scary and quite intimidating. Yes, I believe the phrase is, yes, it has been popping off in the world of Eurovision. So much has been going on. So it's my job this week to run you through what you may have missed or may not have missed. Either way, uh, we have our first song for Eurovision, James. This is very exciting. Albania, as always, of course, more often than not, are the country that give us our first song for Eurovision 2021. And this year, it comes from now forgive me for this pronunciation Alexeyla Peristeri with Karma Uh, let's have a quick listen to her song which we do understand as well will remain in Albanian for Eurovision in May (laughs) James quick thoughts
1: Quick thought, uh, I would say your pronunciation is terrible. Oh sorry about the song, uh, yeah, I, I quite like the song. Uh, it, it may well need to have a bit of a revamp, uh, but you know, it's the first one at of the blocks and uh, yeah, good start.
0: If there's anything that can be learned from Eurovision 2020, it was A, Eurovision can be cancelled, shock horror, and B, we love a revamp. So expect that song probably to sound very different by the time we get to May. Uh, Talking the songs, we've got three songs in the running for Israel. They are La La Love. Set Me Free, and Uwe Lala. There was a poll over on at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter. You told us that Lala La Love is your favourite of Eden LN's potential songs for Eurovision 2021 for Israel, and we will get full versions of those songs on the 18th of January. Uh, we've potentially got another host for Eurovision, Nikki Tutorials, who of course was the online presenter, or supposed to be the online presenter, of Eurovision 2020 uh, is going to be a full time fourth host of Eurovision 2021. Uh, EMA, Slovenia, that's going to happen on the 27th of February. Talking of national selections, Belarus have launched their own submission. Uh, Some sad news Liam Riley, he's passed away. He represented Ireland in 1990. And now this is an interesting one, James. Remember, it's my time. Do you remember when the UK actually finished in the top five in 2009? I certainly do. Are you just going to hark back to the past year or you got some news that's relevant to that? There is some actual news that's relevant to that, although I would very much like to reminisce in a time when the UK actually did quite well. Uh, Diane Warren, she wrote that song among many, many others, many other famous songs that she's written for the likes of Celine Dion and Tina Turner. Apparently, there is a song from her in the mix for Montaigne, who, of course, is representing Australia again this year. And finally, two big pieces of news. James, would you like to be part of Daddy Freya's Eurovision entry? Oh, God, yes. Can I be? I think me and you can be, and I think that's something that we should really get on with because at the start of this week, uh, Daddy Freire took to Twitter and he said he wants us to be part of his choir for Eurovision. Uh, There is a Google Drive, which, I mean, just makes the whole thing sound very technical and and very basic and sounds like Daddy Freire has suddenly become a work colleague who wants you to share a file with him. Uh, He's popped a, a Google Drive out there that we can all go and have a look at And he's got all sorts of audio files in there that he wants us to sing over the top of. So let's just have a listen to one of those. I reckon we can do that.
1: Come on, let's give it a go. Go on, you go first. (laughs) Sounds a bit like a whale dying, doesn't it? (laughs) I think I'll leave that to you. Are you gonna? Do you want to read out the URL for this Google Drive in case people want to
0: get involved? Absolutely. <laughs> sure. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to help Daddy Freya and the rest of his choir, uh, you can get in touch. Uh, Drive.google.com forward slash drive forward slash folders forward slash one four five e five l four m lowercase m p y dash underscore q j eight two w. Nobody cares, do they? It's too much. I mean, I, I got. I can't believe you got to one character at the end and you didn't read that out. I got too far into that in the first place. Anyway. And this is the one that all us Eurovision fans are waiting for. According to the executive producer of Eurovision, he has tweeted to say that a decision on which scenario for the contest we can expect will be made in four to five weeks. So just a reminder, that is whether or not we are going to have the arena packed full as we have seen previously, uh, whether that is going to be a socially distanced audience, whether that is going to be acts travelling to Rotterdam but with no crowd, whether that's going to be uh, the acts and artists sending in recordings of their performances. So we can expect that in the next four to five weeks to find out what decision has been made. That sounds like a lot. And I can now see why a lot of people used to struggle with the news in 90. But that's not all, James. No, it's not. Somehow you managed to miss out one of the big stories there
1: uh, in that the German participant for Eurovision 2021 may well have been decided. Well, it has been decided, but there has been a bit of a rumour about who that is. The Eurovision news website based in Germany, that is ESC Compact, reported over the New Year period that it will be Jendrik. Am I saying that correctly? Jendrik? Jendrik? Yendrick, Gendrik. It's probably not Gendrik. It's probably a, probably a Yendrik. I imagine. We'll go with Jendrik. They reported over the New Year period that Jendrik will be the artist who will be chosen to represent Germany at Eurovision 2021. So earlier in the week, uh, I spoke to Benjamin from ESC Compact uh, to find out a little bit more about the artist, a little bit more about the selection process, and a little bit more about Eurovision in Germany in general. Uh, So I started off by asking Benjamin what the process is like for selecting an artist to represent Germany at Eurovision.
3: Well, yes. As you know, the Germany changed their uh, process of selecting an Eurovision artist lately. So we don't exactly know who's in that competition, but there is that one guy, he's called Jendrik, and uh, he posted on TikTok and Instagram that he sent in a song. And so we know that he was in the selection and we also know that he... Must have gotten quite far because um, he kept on posting about Eurovision in like November or something. So we know that, yeah, that was almost the end of this election. So he should have been like in the, uh, yeah, with the last 15 or 14 uh, persons. And what do we know about
1: the selection process for Germany? Because it was similar to the UK, wasn't it, where we had a very difficult run in the last decade or so. Germany had a difficult run, and we've gone to an internal selection. Germany has also gone to an internal selection. Uh, we spoke to um, Iveta Makuchian, who represented Armenia mm-hmm. back in 2016 on the podcast last year, and she said that she was also in the running a little bit. So how much do we actually know about this process that's been going on?
3: Uh actually we know quite a lot. So what's happening because uh, Germany already used that system last year. So we know that they are all, uh, that they are looking for uh, artists as well as songs. And uh, at the last stage of the process, they are trying to connect those two parts. So there's that matching, uh, how's it called? And yeah, so they, they are trying to find the right song for the right artist, but, um, yeah, and we know that there are two juries. There is one uh, jury called Eurovision jury, which is uh, yeah, basically like 100 fans. Uh, and there is that um, 20 people international jury um, made of um, yeah, Eurovision uh, jury members.
1: And how much then do we know about uh, Jendrik? Because he seems to be outside of Germany, at least, He's not very well known, but what's he like in Germany? Do most people know about him or is he a bit bit of an unknown character?
3: Uh, I would say he's not that much known in Germany as well because uh, usually he's a musical performer um, and I think he hasn't really released any uh, like pop music yet. So, but uh, from his like Instagram account, you can see that he is writing his own songs. He's performing them on his uh, ukulele and um, yeah, that are quite, yeah, very neat little songs uh, with good lyrics and um, quite uplifting actually. So um, yeah, and his videos, they are quite funny and yeah so we don't really know anything about the song but i think it would be yeah like a very uplifting song and you know that's not uh too bad in those times maybe
1: what are the hoops for whoever it may be if it's Jendrik, if it's somebody else because Ben Dolich was going to be representing Germany in 2020. Of course, we all know what happened there. And there was high hopes for Ben, wasn't there? Because his song was doing very well across Europe. Lots of people were engaging with him and the song. So what will the hopes be for 2021 then?
3: You know, the as you just said, there was quite a fuss around Ben Dolich and Violent Thing in 2020. Uh, but then when we saw the uh, presentation on stage, the performance, Um, uh, actually many people weren't that satisfied with it. Of course, those were difficult times like with Corona and um, yeah, you you couldn't really interact with your dancers and everything. Uh, That was quite problematic, of course, but yeah, it was quite underwhelming, I think. And so this time people are really looking forward to seeing a better performance, uh, better staging, because, you know, that's what Germany lacked in like, Yeah, many years of the past. I think Mika Schulte was very good in that sense. But uh, also Sisters, I mean, you know, maybe the song wasn't the best one, but also the staging really wasn't doing anything for it to improve it. So, yeah, we really hope that this time this will be different.
1: And then the German head of delegation has said, we have chosen the artist. They've said they've got it chosen, but they've not announced it officially when are you hearing that we might hear something when do you think we're going to hear anything official from the german broadcaster
3: i think it will be um, in the next weeks that we will get to know more details uh, she kind of said that as well but i think we won't hear the song till like end of february beginning of march because that's when usually the german pre-selections took part uh, took stage and yeah maybe then uh, maybe this will be when they also will release the song for this year.
1: Perfect. And one last question. Let me put you on the spot. How is Germany going to do in 2021? Are you going to win? Is it going to be a top 10? (laughs) What's going to (laughs)
3: happen? Well, maybe you can ask me again when we know the song. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I really hope that it will be at least in like the top 15.
0: This is
1: the EuroTrip.
0: When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media.
1: We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest.
0: So thanks very much to Benjamin from ESC Compact for joining us on this week's podcast. You can expect more of the experts across Europe on this podcast as we build up to the big night in Rotterdam in May. We're going to be crossing the continent to hear from the people in the notes, so make sure you stay tuned with us every week for that. Some could say we're going on a bit of a Euro trip. Yes, indeed, you could. Uh, don't forget, we have still got our interview with the winner of Eurovision 2011, or at least 50% of the winner of Eurovision 2011. That sounds weird, doesn't it? We've got L off of Ellen and Nikki fame on the show in the next few minutes. He, of course, represented Azerbaijan, and they won Eurovision in Dusseldorf in 2011 with Running Scared. So we'll be hearing from him very, very shortly. But right now, we are turning our attention back to Eurovision 2021, and we're going to be hearing from this guy. Hi, guys. My name is Terence James. I'm trying to represent France at
4: the Eurovision Song Contest. My song is called "Je T'Enveille Danser," and you are listening to the
0: Eurotrip. Terence James there, who sings one of the 12 songs in the running to potentially represent France at the Eurovision Song Contest. But you may think there that he sounds very, very English. And it's not like the French do send an English person to represent them at Eurovision. Well, he isn't really English and is actually more French. That's how we started the interview. I asked him how it was that a man who sounds just like him could be on the stage for France in Rotterdam. The reason I'm I'm, uh, going for representing France
4: uh, at the Eurovision is because, well, so basically, my mum's from Glasgow. Um, My dad's from London, and I was born in London. And and at the age of two, my parents, well, before I was born, my parents got married in a village in the south of France called Saint Paul de Vence, which is a beautiful village if you haven't been. Um, It's a really nice place to visit near Nice. Um, So then when I was born, um, my parents just decided to give me the opportunity of growing up in the south of France. So that was really awesome. And I, I thank them for that, because this is a fantastic place to grow up. Um, so yeah, it became my home, it adopted me. Um, at the age of uh, nine, I got my first piano for Christmas. And then I've been writing songs and singing and trying to pursue a career in music ever since. So yeah, it's yeah. But now here we are
0: <laughs> and, and it's been going pretty well because our listeners may, may not know they may know they may not know that that you had a very very good time on the voice in france as well
4: yeah that was that was absolutely awesome that was a, one of the best experiences ever i really really enjoyed the voice um yeah it's like a big family huge machine but a, it, it was really awesome they're such cool people um i mean thanks to the voice I, I got all the way to the semi-final which was awesome and then thanks to that i met my manager um, which is awesome. And then I'm now signed to Sony, um, which was a, a dream from ever since I could listen to music, really. It was, it was a dream since I can remember.
0: Um, so, yeah, no, that's re- honestly it changed my life. How did the whole Eurovision thing come about? Was it something that you went to Sony and said, this is something I'd, I'd be interested in, this is something I'd like to do? Or did someone at Sony say, this could be a great opportunity for you?
4: you so for me, Eurovision is... Uh, Obviously, I watch it. It's. I think it's. It, it brings so much joy to so many people around the world. And I think it's, uh, especially this year. I think it's incredible um, that it's you know going to go ahead. Well, next year. I think it's absolutely incredible after the year that everyone's had. Um, but the, the way I kind of got involved with it was um, someone phoned me with a song written by Ben Mesri. His name is. He's a, a, a quite a famous French artist. Um, And they phoned me with this song and said, listen, we we really want this song to go to Eurovision. And we saw you on The Voice and we really want you to sing this song. Um, So then we we spoke about it and I listened to the song and I thought it was a good song. And, you know, things started moving forward. And then we thought, because I'm half Scottish, um, we thought, why not stick some bagpipes in there and make it a bit more, uh, make it a little bit more me, like move it more towards me. Because I'm not used to singing in French. So yeah, we, we kind of made it a bit more Terence-y. <laughs> um, and then I, I absolutely love the song now and I think it's a, an absolute beast. And I think it's uh, it's one of those songs that you hear it once and you can, you can sing the chorus because obviously it's quite a repetitive chorus. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Some people are saying it is. I think it, it gets in there and it becomes one of those annoying songs that you can't get out of your head. Tu transperces tout entière Mon écorce et mon cœur Tu transportes une matière Qui transpire le bonheur Tu transperces toute entière Mon écorce et mon cœur Tu transportes une matière Qui transpire le
3: bonheur Je t'emmènerai danser Je t'emmènerai danser Je t'emmènerai danser
0: what can people expect from your staging when it comes to the big night and to your song? Well, you see, the video that's gone out
4: of my performance, um, I wasn't aware that they were going to release that video and I wasn't aware that it was being recorded even. It's not not at all what it could be. And it, it upsets me that that got put out there because people are judging me on that and they're going, oh, he can't even perform. It's like, well, that's not my performance. That, that was nowhere near. That's, n- that's nothing compared to what we're going to do. I've been working on it. Well, before that day and up until now, um, I work on it every day. I've got a stage coach. Um, We're putting a lot of work into um, getting the best possible uh, staging that we can. Uh, We haven't decided exactly what we're going to do yet. I just know it's going to be a hell of a lot better than what what we have done on that video.
0: (laughs) Obviously, you've also had the opportunity to, you mentioned the videos there, to check out the videos of some of your competitors. Is is there anyone there that stands out and you've sort of, you know, labeled them as, oh, they're going to be against me as, as as a contender.
4: To be honest, I think they're all worthy of filling the spot. I think that they're, they're all good in a, in a different way. Um, you know, there, there's some amazing people in there. I don't know. I think if you just look at the songs and you, you listen to the songs, which I've done, I think potentially my one is the one that gets stuck in your head most. And I think it
0: could be the one that places higher if if we go to Eurovision. France, of course, and- you know, fair enough to them that the French broadcaster always insists that the majority of the song that they send to Eurovision is in French yeah. itself. Yeah. Whereas often you you see, more often than not, for a song to be successful at Eurovision itself, the song has to be in English. So is that an yeah. approach that you would take to Eurovision? Is the song would stay in French if you were successful? Or would you throw a, a bit more English in there?
4: Um. So from the from the beginning, I've been saying exactly that um because you can't vote for your own country in Eurovision you can only vote for other countries so I was thinking there's more English speaking countries so let's let's do the chorus in English or a part of it in English um none of my team agree so uh there there we go (laughs) I guess um but but to be honest I think I think that the song in France could potentially do really well um radio plays and, and streams and all that so I think it's um no, I think it's good. And, and actually, the, the pride that the French have in their music and in the French language, I think is fantastic. Um, and it's something to be applauded. So, yeah, no, I think I think it's very cool. They respect the language so much in France. It's very, very particular about the language. And um, no, I think
0: that's really cool. Just finally, you know, we, we've got listeners from from all over Europe. So this is a, a little showcase for you just to, you know, what would you yeah. like to say to them as far as, the song is concerned and you know, what's your message for them and and for people listening in France, of course, as well, most importantly,
4: I think Eurovision brings so much joy to so many people around the world. And I think it's a, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, I'm going to give it 110%. Absolutely. I really, really, really hope that the French, the French people agree, um, with, with me and my team that we can, that we, we can do this. And I think it is the right song. Um, so now all that's left is to cross the fingers and, uh, Give the best performance we possibly can, to then uh, yeah place as high as possible. Yeah, I I really hope it is Terence James going to to Eurovision. I think it's going to be really really cool if if it is.
3: This
1: is the Euro trip. So that was Terence James, one of the 12 hopefuls who is vying to represent France at Eurovision 2021. And over the next few weeks and months until we get to May and Rotterdam and Eurovision 2021, as well as our big guests every week, you will be hearing from some of the artists who are representing their countries in Rotterdam, as well as some of the national finalists that are hoping to represent their country as well. So make sure you join us every single Wednesday to hear from some of the biggest and and up-and-coming names in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest.
0: But when it comes to big names, at least those that have been involved in the last few years at the Eurovision Song Contest, they don't get much bigger than Eldar Gasimov, And that's not just because he's got a name that, on the face of it, you think you're going to struggle to pronounce. But actually, It's not too bad. Uh, He was one half of Elle and Nikki, who represented Azerbaijan in Dusseldorf in 2011 with their song Running Scared. They, of course, won the contest in Dusseldorf, bringing Azerbaijan their first and so far to date only win. At the contest, although I mean, it's not really that bad because Azerbaijan only started doing Eurovision in 2008, so it's not a bad record at all. I spoke to Eldar all about his journey to Dusseldorf, all about what happened afterwards, of course, because he went on to host Eurovision in 2012, and there is an excellent story involving him and eventual 2012 winner Lorene coming up in this interview. But I started by asking Eldar whether he felt that he was always destined for the Eurovision stage.
2: I always felt that this, this this is something in my genes, you know. Though I was studying for uh, the ne- international relations in Belgrade University and I was traveling the world uh, to know more about diplomacy and so on, my family always knew that I am going to be on stage, no matter in what uh, role uh, I'll be. I'll be like I'll be acting, I'll be singing, I'll be I don't know whatever. Uh, I'll end up my way on stage. I always felt that, that, that I belonged to there. And my, grandpa- my grandparents, as you said, they were like, uh, my uh, grandma, she was an actress. My uh, grandpa, he was a clarinet player. He was leading uh, some theaters here in Baku. Uh, like my whole life, my whole childhood, I'd say, I spent behind the curtain of, of theater stages of Baku. And it all started there. I saw the magic.
0: If we talk about how your two worlds collided, then if we talk about how performing and then Eurovision collided, were you always
2: into Eurovision? Were you always a Eurovision fan before 2011? I was Eurovision fan. I I'd, I'd say since 2002. Like it, it was a love from the first sight. I just want I just wanted to be in it. I was I started dreaming uh, since that year. 2010, when I was watching watching the Eurovision, I'm Safura was taking part from Azerbaijan. I was like, I was on my sofa. I remember it as it was as if it was yesterday. You know, I was on my sofa and I was like, there are also big stars. I can't even reach them. You know, like. And some couple of months later, I uh, went to a national pre-selection and step by step, uh, day by day, I. I was uh, getting near to my dream. What people
0: probably don't realize is that yourself and, and Nikki were competing separately. You were both individuals in that national selection, and then you got put together. So, can you just talk us talk to us about that?
2: Uh, yeah, the for for the six or seven weeks, we were two different uh, organisms, two different uh, persons who uh, who were fighting for. Uh, for the opportunity to be Azerbaijani entry in 2011. Um, and then uh, at that night, you know, like no one, no one expected it at all. But national judges, as we've been told afterwards, uh, national national judges, they said that, okay, we had a girl, we had a boy, we had a duo, boy, a, bit, a boy, like boys duo, let's say, but let's have, um, let's have some, some, something very pure uh, and uh, something very different from what, we, what we've sent before. So they uh, made a decision to bring up uh, bring us together that night and it was like a strike, you know, no one was expecting it to be like that at night. And I remember the rain was pouring and in Baku, in Azerbaijan, we have, uh, when it rains and, uh, and you have a good news, it brings you to a really, really, uh, it's a good sign. It brings you to a really good path. So it was raining so much that night. So, like, it was crazy. And,
0: and you're so lucky as well, aren't you? Because you were put together. But you and, and Nikki have, have got such a, a, a great friendship. But that can't be, you know, that can't just be luck. So did you get on when you were both in the national final? You know, were you chatting? Were you friends even then?
2: no. No, we didn't know each other. We, uh, we haven't had um, an opportunity to meet. Uh, we're like, like Nikki said, that she was like, oh, I should beat him. I should beat him. I should beat him, <laughs> you know? And I was like, uh, okay, I didn't, I didn't even hear any rumors. And um, I just wanted to concentrate uh, on my work. I wanted to concentrate on my songs. I know that it may seem uh, from my perspective now, you know, from over the years, uh, it was so childish and it was so uh, unprofessional, you know, what I've done, but it was so, uh, innocent and sincere. Maybe that played, played the role for us to come together. And we became friends when we were in Kiev, we were, we were practicing there for three months in a row uh we became friends and we're still neighbors here right now she's I guess she's three three floors down three stories yeah three three floors down yeah
0: how how intimidating was it when you got to Dusseldorf because there were so many big acts that year Blue of course a massive band they were representing the United Kingdom that year Dana International was back for Israel that year as well what was it like for you guys when you turned up because while everyone really liked your song and while you were one of the favorites you know there were so many big acts that
2: year. Yeah when we went first time uh, backstage uh, on the Esprit arena and I was like I was like the whole time oh my goodness it's blue these are guys that I was a fan of since I was I don't know um, I was so young uh and then they are here they're standing in their blue uh blue gray um outfits and i was like oh my goodness i can't even go to them you know because they are like for me it's it's something something really amazing i love i love this band i still listening to their songs and we have a retro radio in uh, in azerbaijan they are always uh playing their songs it's beautiful, and then Donna International uh, with her uh, red dress on the allocation draw, and so I, I was like, that was really, really uh, exciting. What was it like
0: building up to the final? Because the momentum really built for for you and for your song, and when it came to Saturday, you you were one of the favorites. So. Was that pressure for you on the Saturday, or, or was it like you've just said there? You you knew that you were just going to do the best you could and do the best you could with the song, and people were going to like it or or not or not like it.
2: Frankly speaking, we uh, our team they, they wanted to keep us off this news and uh, odds and so on. So I just I, I didn't know which place we are and what people what people are saying. It was pretty the same the whole week. We, we, we spent there two amazing weeks in Düsseldorf and I speak fluently German. I had so many friends there. And so I, I really had a good time. And especially in the, on the arena on the day of, uh, of the final, I was on stage. I knew that all the judges, uh, all the jury, jury members, they voted the day before. I was like, jury had their votes. Let's just relax. Imagine you're a Lady Gaga or Beyonce or Robbie Williams or Elton John, whoever. You're just out, you got paid for this all and you go and you're singing. So uh, it, it was sort of enjoying yeah, like I Like I was enjoying this whole three minutes and it came to me as if it was four hours.
0: The tactic obviously worked because you won the the televote. You won the vote on the on the Saturday night. I don't know whether you. Found because I've spoken to, to uh, Dave Benton, who won Eurovision in, in 2001, and he said the same thing where you can remember faces in the crowd from your performance. Is that can you? I, I, it sounds unlikely to me because the arena is so big, but can you pick out people when you're performing?
2: Um, just some of them, you know. Uh, because it, it's so dark uh, when you're standing on stage and all the spotlights are, are on your face and your eyes and you don't see anything uh, except of your uh, steps and, and the slides on the stage. Uh, faces of people are very small because it's far away from your from 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 the place you're saying you're saying, and they're small. But I still remember some of them. They were like, everyone was happy. Everyone was cheering. Some of them were like singing together because like, oh, 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 it was very uh, popular at that time. And people were singing together with us. I I remember this Um, after we won and we were singing second time. Um, I was drinking champagne actually in the <laughs> green room and I was like, I, re- I was really relaxed. And uh, then we met Lena on stage and uh, it was all, like, everything was overwhelming and we were almost in the crowd because I, was, I-, I remember Nikki was running to her husband and she was, uh, do you remember that, uh, that moment when she was uh, drowning into the audience and her husband, he, he picked her like that. And I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on? What should I do? Should I help or should I just go out and, and, and sink? And I was like, it was like, yeah, I don't, I don't even, I can't even describe how I felt that time. But I remember faces, they were smiling, they were happy.
0: And that, that moment you won, the moment you were sat in the green room, you realized this is it. You know, you and, and, and Nikki have won Eurovision and all of your dreams have come true from when you were watching Eurovision, as, as you yeah. said, as, as a young boy, just is it possible to describe that moment that everything has been realized? Uh,
2: there was a moment when everyone already understood, already got that. Uh, no matter how many points will two next countries receive, uh, Azerbaijan is already, re- we are already re- w- winning. And everyone was cheering, like our team members, uh, back vocalists, sneaky, And I was like, "Oh my goodness, let's just let, let's just pray everything is okay." And um, uh, despite all the cameras who were w- already with us, and you are you are a winner, you feel it, you know it from the scores. I was like, "Let's Anka and Stefan tell." that Azerbaijan, Ellen Niki, and Running Scared is the winner of the competition. So then I can lose myself in music.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, mesdames et messieurs, mesdames und Herren, the winner of the Eurovision Song Contest 2011
2: is Azerbaijan! I was waiting for, until that very moment, and then I was like,
0: Pfft. it was crazy. That's amazing. It's amazing to hear that. I mean, have you got any stories of the bit that we don't see? So the broadcast has finished on the Saturday night, you guys have Ah. won. What sort of celebration did you did you do after that? What sort of Saturday night in Dusseldorf did you have after you won?
2: Yeah, we was in a Hilton hotel and we came back at three o'clock in the night after uh, the press conference and the whole hotel uh, was celebrating with us. There was some other teams from other countries in Europe. everyone was cheering. everyone was happy and uh, we were crying and uh, you may you may see it from uh, from the pictures with my red eyes and uh, such you know such messy uh, everything <laughs> on my face. So um, and Hilton gave us uh, some gifts and cards uh, with the congratulation letter and so on. It was so sweet and then we all couldn't, sleep this whole night and then we had a soul maker that she was she was our uh like let's say soul maker she was working with us to bring us together with nikki with the audience with journalists with everyone and i was like uh helena i i'll need some 10 minutes i, I need to go up and everyone was like, Eldar. Come celebrate with us. Drink more, uh, dance. I don't know, whatever. And I was like, okay, I need, I need ten minutes. And she was like, okay, he needs to be alone. It's okay. And I went in my room. I remember it. Uh, it was always, a, it was already a sunrise, and I came to a window. And I gave myself a question that I won't forget because it was so. Uh, meaningless and uh, meaningful question at the same time. I was like, okay, and what then? It was like, you know, uh, I, I, I thought to myself, Eldar, this is uh, the biggest dream you've ever had in your life. And then you are not appreciating it or are not accepting it. And then I talked to my therapist, talked to my soul maker and she was, it's, t- it's absolutely normal because when you're reaching any, some goal, you're already building stairs to another one. Then we came to Baku and this whole people, like it's, it was more than 3000 people and right in front of the plane where people were not allowed. And this was the first victory since this big victory um, since uh, the, the Soviet Union was uh, broken. And uh, I the first time in my life, I saw people altogether happy. And you also and I love this. You also had
0: your face on a stamp. Is that right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, we had, uh, do you remember that picture when we, uh, me and Nikki, we were, Nikki and me, we were holding uh, the microphone, the crystal microphone up, and this was the stamp uh, stamp photo. And last year, uh, this, uh, we had a call from the, uh, the Museum of Azerbaijani National History, and they were like, we have this stamp with us, is this is going to be one of our exponents? You say it in English? Yeah. Exhibits, uh, yeah. Exhibits, yeah, on the um, on the side of uh, modern Azerbaijani music, you know, corner. Let's say uh, we want your signature signatures on the uh, on the on, on the card, and we went there. We we're so happy. We they also wanted us to give them our outfits, and I was like, no.
0: You you mentioned before that you stood in your hotel room after you won and you wondered what next. Well, the following year was also, of course, amazing for you because you were one of the presenters of Eurovision in 2012 yep. when yep. Eurovision came to Baku, a, a real showcase to the world of Baku and what an amazing city it is. How was wow. that to have a completely different change around from you you've gone from being the artist to being the the host and that's again something very new for you this
2: is um and i when i when when i've been told that they want to see me as a presenter uh uh, as a host of a show um i've never done this before in my life and they um their organizers, they told me how this is going to work, what I will do and uh, how will I have to deal with that? I was like, you know, I always want to do something new, even if it's hard, it's interesting. What was more nerve wracking, 2011 or 2012? 12 was a bit like it was more nervous. I was more nervous because when I sink I lose myself, when I sing, I get deep into music and I'm somewhere there in clouds, or I don't know, whatever. But uh, hosting, it took me l- long to uh, know it all by heart and to read it from the screens, uh, TV prompter, uh, they t- they said, and uh, I was, I was ner- i was nervous i was i was like oh my goodness three three and a half hours live talking and uh looking good and all custom changes and like i don't know but i loved it and an
0: amazing night as well of course because 2012 was the night that Lorreen won with with euphoria yeah. what was yeah. that like to, to be in the arena and to ha- to be so close and to you know to announce her as the winner amazing
2: um i already like the day before uh, the day before the show i went to her uh dressing room because we had the same hairdresser and i was like Emil, hey, show me her i just want to get to know her and to tell her my uh that i love her my appreciations and so and she was uh sitting there and i was like oh hello i hope you win uh, because I love your music, I love your, um, your your performance and everything you do on stage. It's so natural and so dark, and I really was in the dark mood that day, that time. And uh, the night after, I had one of the representatives. Uh, I can't tell the name, but he came to me and he's like, he was like, I know that you want Lauren to win. I know. Um, so this, is, so this is so this
0: so this is one of the other singers who said this to you.
2: No, this is one of the organizers of the show, what? and yeah, uh, and he was like, "I know how exciting, uh, how excited you are about that moment, but if you see the scores and if you see it uh, earlier than you say it, you shouldn't show that you're so happy or you're so sad that someone else uh, is not winning. is winning. You have to be." Um, absolutely polite to everyone and loyal to everyone and um, just just celebrate music
0: before we finish we always ask our, our interview is the same question which is and it's a difficult question because everybody normally asks what's your favorite Eurovision song so we ask what's your second favorite Eurovision song
2: oh my god um, good that is not the math question I hate math <laughs> This is really difficult because all of them are so beautiful. But let's just say, okay, let's let us just say Euphoria. Euphoria is also good.
1: This is the Euro Trip. There it is, Rob. First episode of 2021 and somebody's already dropped the Euphoria bomb in response to the question about the second favourite Eurovision song of all time. I think he was under
0: pressure, wasn't he? You put him on the spot with that one. Yeah, he never actually revealed what his first favourite Eurovision song was, which I think if we asked him, may also be Euphoria by Loreen. But you, yeah, you mentioned the Euphoria bomb. It won ESC 250 again over the New Year's period. And yeah, how many Euphoria bombs are we going to get from Big Guess in 2021? Maybe that's a little bet that me and you can have between ourselves, maybe. Now, we haven't mentioned a certain something that has become a hallmark of this podcast since we appeared in your feeds, back in August. Fear not, everybody. Many things about the podcast in 2021 are different. Things have gone up a gear. But the one-second song remains. Of course it does. I was getting a bit nervous there. We've not mentioned it at all
1: throughout this entire episode. But, like you say, Rob, the one-second song is back. If you've never listened to a normal episode before, if this is your first time listening, the one-second song is exactly what it says on the tin. One of us will play the first second of a Eurovision song, and the other one, as well as you at home, simply has to guess what it is. It couldn't be easier than that, they say.
0: Yeah, now me and you were actually on quite a good run in the build-up to Christmas. We, we'd got a few correct, but before then, it was weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of you guys at home saying, well, the one-second song last week was very easy, and me and James going, I've got no idea what that is. So who knows how things will go in 2021, And unfortunately, and unfortunately for me... It's my duty to guess this week's One Second Song. It certainly is. So, Rob,
1: for you for the first time and listeners for the first time, here is this week's
0: One Second Song. I've got that feeling where you feel good because you're like, I know what that song is, but then you realise that you need to give the title of the song <laughs> and the singer, and that's when it all gets a little bit more difficult. Absolutely. I know the song, and the minute you tell me what it is, I'm going to go, of course it is. But I'm hoping in the next minute or so, that both the name and the artist, and indeed the country and the year, may come back to me. Let's have another listen. Now, James, I'm not going to go for the four points.
1: That was a bit of a coward's move, some would say. Are you not just going to go all out? First episode of 2021.
0: I don't want to embarrass myself this early on in the year. There's going to be plenty more opportunities <laughs> for that as, as things go on. I'm going to give you, and I, honestly, I'm only confident about one of these, I think. Maybe two. And when I say I'm confident of two, one of them is the country. One of them is the song title. And that does include me going to attempt to brutally mispronounce the song title. So I'm going to say that the country is Bosnia. The year, I'm not sure about this, is 2018. I think the song's called "Lubavier" or like "Lubavier" something like that. And as far as the artists are concerned, there's a lot of them uh i think one of them's called dean potentially who had represented uh who had represented Bul- uh not even bulgaria represented bosnia before uh that's that's what you're getting that's a lot of information james i've no idea if any of that is correct right then rob i see where you were going with that uh Bavier,
1: bosnia dean it was dalal and dean and 40 others and the rest of the lads uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, It was 2016, that entry, not 2018. Um, So I can tell you that you got uh, zero points overall. So it wasn't even that...
0: No, it wasn't even that song, wasn't
1: even that country, for goodness sake. Despite some of the confidence there, you are totally incorrect. Now, some would argue I may have stretched the rules a little bit to do with the one second song here. However, I would say it is perfectly legal uh, because that song came from 2020.
0: Well, 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 we haven't had this on the One Second Song yet, have we? A song that never actually, never actually made it to Eurovision. Yeah, yeah, but it's still in the
1: rules. It's just that you're going to get a bitter now because you didn't get it right. But uh, if you got it right at home, then very well done. It was 2020. Uh, It was the Greek entry. It was Stephania with, as it says in the title, super good exclamation mark Uh, sorry, I think it means Supergirl. Let's have a listen.
2: Keep the fumble, don't need a supercar. No X-ray vision to show them who we are. I got the power, I'm up the
0: tower. Save all humanity, on am zero. we are. As familiar as night so often follows day, I have struggled to give the correct answer on the first one second song of 2021. Start the year as I mean to go on.
1: (laughs) Never mind. You've got another opportunity in a fortnight. Uh, Oh, actually, you've got an opportunity to embarrass me next week when you choose uh, the one second song. But we have reached the end of the very first episode of 2021. Hopefully you at home, whether you are a brand new listener or you've been here since August. Well done if you've been here since August. Very well done. Uh, Thanks very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, You can get in touch with us anytime on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, We are at Eurotrip Podcast. We always love it when you get in touch. You can also uh, review us wherever you're listening. You can rate us five stars and subscribe as well because all of that helps us a hell of
0: a lot yeah i mean to be honest if you're gonna rate it any less than three stars i mean probably don't bother but uh, you know if you're gonna rate it four or five we would love to hear from you and i should also say thank you so much to everyone that joined us on this week's episode thank you to eldar great to be able to catch up with him and get so much of his time because he is a very very busy man over in Azerbaijan. Uh, Thank you very much to Terence James. Good luck to him and everyone else attempting to represent France at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And also, thank you very much to Benjamin from ESC Compact for his delightful insight into the world of Germany at Eurovision. Absolutely. We will
1: be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode of the Eurotrip but before you go do not forget to head over to Eurotrip.tv which is Eurovoir's video on demand service uh, which is dedicated to the artists of the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, So plenty of content on there including the Eurotrip's big interview. Uh, We have selected some of our favorite interviews that we did in 2020 and we have released the longer form versions In video, so you can get a look into some of Europe's most questionably decorated
0: living rooms. So that's something else for you to look forward to. Now, from me and my brand new Christmas present. Oh, this is a surprise. A signed photo of Sir Terry (laughs) Wogan himself. No way! From me and Sir Terry, uh, a goodbye. And from me and just me, it's goodbye. You're very loud all of a sudden. Am I? Hmm.
1: Allow
2: me to twiddle my knob in front of you. Good. I'm so pleased we were recording.